Blog Talk Radio. Fios is not cable. We're wired differently, which means you can get the fastest Internet available with equal upload and download speeds from 50 to 500 megs. So you can upload 200 photos before your favorite song is finished. Click the ad and switch to Files today to get our best offer ever. Hello, Love welcome. Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to our weekly internet program. I'm your host, Minister Joel Lewis, and you're listening to Free on the Inside. Internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you to be our, you could be to challenge you to make a difference in, in the neighborhood, in your uh, community, in, the, in your town, to challenge you to uh, apply your gift and, and your skills to help change a life. That's our logo, help change a life, but not just any life, help change a life in Jesus' name. This morning we have a guest on the program this morning. He's no stranger to the, our Internet program, Dr. Michael Fleming. Uh, this morning our topic is about criminal justice reform. Minister Fleming is working very diligently with the Faith in Texas, a multiracial faith movement for social justice. Faith movement is a part of PICO National Network. PICO stands for People Impacting Community Through Organization. Uh, PICO is a is a nation's largest network that develops civic leaders in low and moderate income, faith-based communication, economic, and racial justice. At this time, we have Dr. Flemings on the line. Good morning, Dr. Flemings. And we'll bring him up in just a second here. Good morning, Dr. Fleming. Uh, good morning, Minister Lewis. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Thank you for being a guest on our weekly internet program. I just did a little short interlude on on the um, a program in the ministry which you're a part of. Will you give us more information on the faith in Texas? Well, let me give you some background on why faith in Texas has uh, become necessary. Um, you know, we're living in, 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 a, in a a time uh, or a day and age in which you would think that many of the problems that we've had uh, in the past, uh, as they relate to you know racial inequality, uh, you know widespread discrimination, um, a lack of respect for one another and church and God, that those things would have uh, longs to come to the truth uh, in terms of uh, um, their value, uh, and that we would be a a, a people of one nation, uh, one cause for the common good of all men and women, and forming uh, viable communities. But unfortunately, <laughs> that is not the case. And I guess in some respects, uh, the Bible speaks to that when it talks about in the last days. Many would wax cold and they'll love one another, and uh, we will become, uh, you know, uh, treacherous and murderous and and uh, lovers of money and things as opposed to uh, uh, our fellow human beings. And that uh, the only difference and the only way we're going to have uh, the ability to make a difference is by the church. Um, being a light and, and being salt, uh, we're called to to be a unifying agent. And until we fulfill that role, we're going to continue to have problems. And which kind of problems are we talking about? What are we talking about when ninety percent of the white people in America who take the um, implicit association test and 
express an inherent racial bias for white people versus black people, and they're not even aware of it. Or when young black teenage men are being shot and killed by white police officers, and it triggers uh, you know extraordinarily intense social commentaries about racial tension in communities, such as the, what took place in Ferguson, Missouri, and, and more recently here uh, in Dallas. When mentally unbalanced individuals, be it a young white man or a black man who are sitting quietly in their church or school, and then someone comes in and <laughs> kills them, shoots them. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a tumultuous time um, when it's not safe. It's not safe for our families. It's not safe for our children. And it seems like chaos is becoming the rule. So what needs to take place? Well, the first thing, there needs to be a new national conversation about race. And we need to be willing to acknowledge that we do have a, a, a racial problem and that we have a system in place that seems to favor one segment of our population and deny large segments of our population, which happens to be people of color, black, brown, red, and so forth. So what do we do? Well, we need to stand up. And when I say we, I'm talking about the church. So faith in Texas, as you mentioned, is a a coalition of faith-based uh, organizations, congregations, who recognize that until we as a body of Christ come together okay, and represent um, the kingdom of God and to manifest the power of God by manifesting the knowledge, the understanding of how to use the knowledge to a way that we can address the social ills that are so pervasive uh, in our uh, society. And and so that is so true, Doctor. That people. is so true. And, you know, as you will uh, give you a pause here for a minute, and you were saying something that I really was thinking about how we should be able to use those two. The social injustice that we are, that we are uh, seeing and that we're experiencing, I'm talking about as a, as a society, it's nothing new. These things have been going on for quite a while. But now since we have better, we are better equipped to handle these things, I'm saying that we could go out and, 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 uh, and go to our leaders and hold people accountable. At one time, we couldn't hold anybody accountable. But now since we can, we ought to make full use of, these, uh, of uh, uh, the information and the skills that we have. And I like what you're doing and some of the things that you're doing, because at one time, uh, as a matter of fact, not one time, but you're very uh, instrumental in helping ban the box in certain areas. Uh, w- uh, would you be able to share that with us regarding ban the box? Well, when we talk about ban the box, uh, we are, uh, are attempting to address the continued uh, systemic uh, disenfranchisement of segments of our population that are deemed inexpendable. Uh, and yes. what we're talking about is the overrepresentation of people of color in the, in the correctional system, specifically uh, as it relates to being incarcerated. And uh, when those individuals are, are taken away from their families and taken away from their communities, all right, there's a significant loss, loss of human talent and also of the 
financial and economic impact. Upon return, you would think that these individuals, after having served their time, would be uh, uh, embraced and allowed to re-enter society and um, become gainfully employed and 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 begin to contribute once again uh, to the well-being of our communities, in particular our, fa- our families. But unfortunately, that is not the case. We don't seem to be a nation of, of forgiving people anymore who allow second or maybe third chances. Individuals return with the mandate that they get a job, that they can contribute towards their family's well-being. In many instances, that means child support or on on, on um, restitution, various other kinds of uh, financial debts and demands upon their life. Yet, uh, <laughs> less than one quarter of those individuals are able to um, secure employment uh, or housing or the other basic necessities that go with uh, uh, reintegration, such as insurance and so forth. And one of the primary reasons for that is a question on the application that asks if you are a convicted felon. And if you answer yes to that question, unfortunately, most of the time you will not get an interview. And that application may wind up um, being trashed. And so the economic impact on our communities and on our families, and particularly the 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 um, collateral impact upon our children, and and the fact that research shows that when returning individuals are denied equal access to jobs, housing, and so forth, the children of those formerly incarcerated individuals are three to five times more likely to commit a crime, okay, uh, to wind up uh, with uh, uh, less education and um, uh, a poor economic and financial uh, future. So we've been working uh, locally and with some national organizations in trying to uh, address that. And there have been some good news and some successes. We know that there are about um, uh, 23 states now that have uh, passed legislation that uh, banned the box. And there are two uh, cities here in Texas, Austin, and most recently, uh, Dallas County has passed a, a local ordinance that prohibits uh, the asking of that question until such time that you're actually considering offering an individual job, at which time then you can do a background check and use the information that you're able to obtain only as it relates to the job in which the individual is, is applying for. For instance, if you are applying for a, a job in the financial sector, as a bank teller or something, and you have a history of, um, of, of criminal activities or convictions related to financial issues, then that information can be used uh, in determining whether or not that's a good match. But if you, for instance, have a, a drug possession, you're applying for a job uh, in a warehouse, or you're applying for a job at a supermarket, <laughs> or you're applying for a job as a, a salesperson, car lot or an apartment store, then there may not be any correlation between your conviction and the responsibilities related to that job. And so why should it be used to continue to penalize you and punish you long beyond uh, the, the, the completion of your sentence? And so it is our intent that we can somehow or another influence um, you know, federal legislation 
And as we begin to work here in Dallas with the private community and private businesses in implementing uh, those kinds of policies that will uh, uh, encourage the uh, uh, interviewing and the consideration of employment for formerly incarcerated persons. And once we're able to do that, we believe that it will go a long way toward addressing some of the increasingly high rates of recidivism with formerly incarcerated persons, and it will uh, provide the economic seed uh, for strengthening our communities and particularly in strengthening our families. All right. We're going to just pause here for a minute for a station identification. You're listening to Blog Talk Radio. With Mr. Lewis is your host, and you can join the conversation with the number 310-982-4126. We're talking with Dr. Michael Flemings about criminal uh, justice reform. We ask you to call in to voice your opinion regarding this very uh, hot topic here because uh, we all uh, know someone that's maybe acutely, uh, wrongly convicted, so this is an opportunity to uh, get more information and be a part of this great organization, Faith in Texas. And we have a call on the line here. This is our co-host, Brother Daniels. He's on the line here. Good morning, Brother Daniels. Good morning, Reverend Lewis. Welcome to our program. We have Dr. Fleming on the line here, and he's giving us a a lot of information regarding criminal justice reform. So we're just going to sit back and relax and enjoy what he has to share with us. Do you have any questions for him at this time? If not, we'll come back. Yeah, I've got a couple of questions to ask. Go right ahead. He's on the line. Okay, Dr. Fleming. Um, you know what happened yesterday with this uh, case between uh, that dude that was over the Black Lives Matters uh, uh, organization in Dallas? Uh, he he went downtown and he got arrested, and they found out he had other charges on him. So uh, I'm saying that if the people that organized these uh, that organization knew that he had a a background behind him. Why did they let him lead this this march and put himself in the scrutiny in front of all these people to uh to just make just like it was mocking mocking things? You know what I'm saying? You put a guy that, that talking about uh um uh. uh Don't do anything wrong, and you got this guy. He got a history of child abuse, uh, Doctor Fleming. You know, I mean, I mean, if you're doing something, you got to go. You got to almost be squeaky clean every time you go in for these people because they're gonna have background checks and look for you for the first time that you were born. You know, all the way back to time. You know, and 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 it, and it really. It's really a serious thing because, you know, the media nowadays, they take everything and just escalate it, you know. So what's your opinion on what happened yesterday? Well, you know, I haven't um, had a chance to to review or look at the specifics, but let me just say this in general. Uh, Having a background, uh, doesn't necessarily preclude anyone from being uh, involved in community advocacy and, and justice reform. And having charges uh, aren't necessarily convictions. 
and you know, I don't know what the case is uh, with this particular division, uh, but I know that in this country, uh, there have been many individuals who have been in the forefront advocating for social and justice reform who had uh, backgrounds and who had arrest records that were primarily related to the system and its attempt to defame and and to um, 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 diminish uh, the power and capacity of uh, change agents. And I'm not saying that this gentleman's charges or past convictions are justified. I don't know. But I also know that oftentimes what we get uh, through the mass media isn't necessarily reflective or indicative of the whole truth. And uh, our mass media and our public media is basically in the hands of a few private, powerful people. And the news that's often presented today is a caricature, which means it's used to sensationalize and other ratings, and it's also used by the powers of be as I said, to undermine uh, the, the the power and the viability of particular individuals and candidates who are attacking the system. So, you know, that, that's kind of my take on it. Um, now, this I don't know him, and I know that that there's been some speculation about whether or not he should be in the forefront. But squeaky clean people. Um, don't necessarily exist anymore uh, uh, in, the, in what we call the the, um, the field of okay. you know, the academic. Okay. I, I got another question for you now. You know, just, um, a couple of days ago, we had a mm-hmm. district attorney, a lady, mm-hmm. named Susan Hawk. Yes, she has drug use. It's been going on for about a year. She's been halfway coming to work. She was going to work. She was going to cases. She was going to trials. She was, uh, I guess she was working. I guess she was working on cases. And they were sending people, you know, sending some people up on her. So what do you think, um, upon what happened, do you think some of those guys that she sent to jail should be having have retrials? Because of well, her, 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 she, she now, brother really Daniel, now, it was a, allegedly a drug use. Now, you know, they said she had a mental case, a mental issue a mental that she was case. dealing with, and so it wasn't a right. drug issue that they per se. They said it was mentally, in, you know, imbalanced there. So, well, she did have that job, and I don't know how much work she was able to perform because they said said she missed a she lot of days of work. But well, go ahead, Doctor Fleming, yeah. and address that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, she didn't. Uh, she didn't uh, um, handle uh, any um, um, trial. Uh, um, most of her time was actually spent uh, in treatment and hospitalization. Yes. And her primary problem was depression uh, and um, uh, um, uh, I think it's bipolar depression. Yeah, but she recently resigned because she recognized that she can't um, focus on her own mental health needs, and at the same time, uh, run or oversee uh, the um, district attorney's office. But most of the cases and most of the actual day-to-day operations is handled by uh, her uh, assistant, uh, who is the person, yeah, who who handles and runs the office. That's the person 
who our uh, governor will probably uh, uh, select to compete. So you're saying the governor is over everything now? Well, the governor's not over it, but the governor, uh, as a result of being uh, the, you know, the, the, the head of state, uh, is responsible for selecting a replacement uh, when the district uh, and our counties um, are unable to finish their term. If she had been signed about 11 days ago, that would have been a special election. And in all likelihood, a Democrat would have been elected. But since she waited, and I'm sure she did to that the prompting of the governor and other yeah, people. Yeah, that's why she waited like that. Okay. Then the government can appoint someone, and all, and all like that, we'll, we'll report, uh, appoint uh, a Republican uh, district attorney. Okay. And that's probably the only office in in Dallas, for the most part, that uh, is occupied by a Republican. Because that office has been a, you know, a Democrat for many, many years. But, you know, I don't want to focus on, on some of these individual cases, but I want to talk about what needs to be done. See, the Bible tells us that when when the wicked, and that means when the people who don't believe in or accept a theocracy, that is the rule by God, that uh, his word and his principles uh, become the standard for life. If we assume that there is a maker, that God created all things, and he said it was good, and then he put it under the domains of men. Okay? And it said, when the righteous are in positions of authority or in rule, the people rejoice because there's an understanding that none of it belongs to us. It all belongs to God. And we're stewards. And we're here to use our talents and our time for the common good of all men. But when people don't respect God and the focus is on man and his ability to get positions, to gain possessions, then that's wicked. And we can't expect to have anything other than what we got. And part of that is occurring because there are too many Christians. There are too many congregations. There are too many pastors yeah, who are satisfied with being in a church building on Sunday and proclaiming the gospel. And get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with preaching the gospel and proclaiming the gospel because it is the way that we get people into the kingdom of God under the theocracy rule of God that then makes a change in life so that it is preserved the way God intended to be. But when we abdicate that role, when we're not aware of what's going on, when we don't form coalitions, when we're divided between Baptists and moderate Baptists and Methodists and non-denominationals, and we're only concerned about our house and our well-being, there's the world of God. And so... Faith in Texas about it's, it's, And that it's is so true doctor up. That is so true And then people know We've been praying And you know I'm a part Of, of, of many faith based organizations I've been involved in um, You know many uh, Ministerial alliances And I see People fervently praying For God to break yokes For God to take the taste of alcohol out of the mouth of individuals suffering from addiction and for God to move people uh, uh, from, uh, you know, addictions and prostitution. But somehow, somewhere, we're missing the boat because it tells us clearly in the book of Isaiah and the book of Matthew that we are to, to break the yoke of oppression, that we are to set the captives free, that we are God's ambassadors, we are God's deliverers of justice and mercy and so forth. 
God says in the book of uh, Jeremiah that he must brag. Don't brag about your wealth, about your your your, your knowledge and, and, and your uh, strength and power. But if you must brag, brag and boast about this, that you know and understand me and that I delight in justice, righteousness, and mercy. Those are three common uh, uh, traits. And we call those God's transferable attributes, the things that God can give us. See, God can't give us his omnipotence. Uh, his omniscient and his omnipresent, okay? Because that's what makes him God and God alone. Be everywhere to know everything and to do everything. But justice, mercy, and righteousness, and so forth, those are transferable characteristics and attributes that he wants to instill in us so that we become indicative and reflective of God, that we have the ability to, to go and to impact lives and to impact communities, to transform them into what God had initially intended them to be. But that requires us to, to lower walls, to open doors, uh, to dare to step across boundaries, and to take hands. And I'm not just talking about Christians, that our ability to, to work across faith lines, to work with Muslims, to work with Jews, to show people that, that we believe in the common good for all mankind. And then to put uh, our bodies online. We have a thing that that that, that one of my initiatives that talks about, you know, uh, body, ballot, and buck. <laughs> and people ask, well, what is that? Well, body is our being. It is our lives. It is our experiences. All the things that make up who we are, our biases, the good things and the bad things, it all helps us understand. And each of us have some differences, some of our experiences and so forth. But when we recognize that we come together and we put our bodies, we put ourselves in a position, as God says, I look for someone who would stand in the gap that I may pardon the land and pardon the people but I can find none. So his son came and stood in the gap for us to serve as an example. So we must position ourselves where people are in need. Like my, my brother and Minister Lewis, you know, it's well known within the community and the network that Minister Lewis puts his body where it needs to be and that he, you know, adequately works on trying to get other people to position themselves where there are people who are hurting and lost and lonely in need of a, a touch of, of healing from God and so forth. And then the second one is balance, which means we do live in a country that has a, a, a democratic process in place uh, that is built around uh, you know, uh, our ability to vote so that we can have a government that is ruled by the people, of the people, for the people. And when we don't understand that and don't know how to utilize our system and come together collectively, then we can't really have any power or any influence we start talking about the common course and dialogue about the issues that really impact us and our children and our children's children. And so we believe that, that the time is right. That God says that he makes everything beautiful this time. Time now for, for faith people, not only stand up, but to begin to collaborate and to talk about uh, how we as a group, as a body, can begin to impact our system by getting involved and trying to, 
to put people in positions who share our values and ideals, or at least let the people who are in positions of authority know that we're going to hold them accountable and, and that we have the power to remove them out of office and put someone in. That's all we talk about. And that is so true. Uh, we both, Doctor. Okay. Yeah, okay. that is so true. As you were sharing those things, I was thinking how important it is for us to be actively involved in people's life. You know, we didn't get to where we are by ourselves. Someone encouraged you. Someone encouraged me, and someone encouraged uh, Brother Daniel to be all they could be. And it, it would be right for us to uh, get some form of success or comfort in life and not to look back and help our brothers through the legal system, through finances, through education. You know, uh, Jesus said, when you are restored, you to, uh, you know, you to help your brother. And in a sense, say, hey, when we get out of this, I'm going to look back and I'm going to encourage someone else. You know, because uh, uh, somebody else needs to know that they can get out of these things. Somebody else needs to know that this isn't the end of them. And as Brother Dave was talking about how uh, people are involved in, in social change and events and have criminal records, when I was younger, uh, and, you know, uh, and I had an encounter with the law officers, and they ran a background check up, and I didn't have anything at the time. Then they said, wait a minute, you need to have something so we'll keep up with you. In a sense, that's controlling people. When they know when they got something owe you, they say, wait a minute, you can't do this because we got this here owe you. And that's a shame that and, and throughout life, as you was talking about uh, justice, criminal reform, in regardless of what I've done when I was 16 years old, I'm 46, 56, 66. Those things are still in my background. They're still a part of, uh, 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 you know, of, of my, uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, let's put it this way. They're still a part of, of what I do in society. So I'm only lim- I'm only able to go so far because of these situations in our life. But I thank God for people like yourself and other people that say, wait a minute, these things isn't right. This background check, hey, I went to school. I'm very educated now. I can't get a job because of something I've done in my youth. It's something I'm being punished. I want to be a civic engineer, but because I checked this box, I'm unable to uh, apply my God-given talents. And, and that's a terrible right. thing. So thank you for what you are doing. Thank you, Brother Dave, for bringing that up because sometimes we are, we are scared to do anything because of what we've been doing in the past. And I'm guilty of it. I do jail ministry, brother, well, and I thank God that they allowed me to go to jail. But it's always that one time that they may pull something up on me, and I've been going out there for 10 years. They said, wait a minute, we've been looking for you. Wait a minute, I've been down here 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, you know, I laugh about it, but it's always that chance. But I'm not fearful enough not to do it. Okay, go ahead, brother Daniel. Then we'll get back to our guests. Thank you. Uh, I believe that um, uh, the system has to have a, a check and balance uh, uh, area, you know, because we are not only one of a few uh, uh, races of people that they are adding to society. Now, you got to look now. We got people coming from overseas to America now. They're coming to America. They're getting put in high positions. They have, they have good educations, and they're getting good jobs. And basically, how can you basically pinpoint a, a person's background when you come from uh, 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 India, or you're coming from uh, Iran, you're coming over here to America? And how can basically, how can they track people one way, and then you let 